Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. And joining me today, I have two other Conquer the Gauntlet Pro athletes with me. So let's start off with Brenna. Say hi. What's up, everybody? Glad to be back. Brenna's currently driving across Missouri, so if you hear some background noise, that's her car and or random road sounds. Sorry, everybody. And the other athlete I have with us today is... A 38-year-old father of two, a fire protection engineer, and he finished five out of and finished in the top five out of seven out of his ten races last year. Lucas Fonenstiel, welcome to the show. Woo! What's up, guys? So happy to be here. So before we uh, kick this episode off and talk about all the exciting things Lucas has going on this year and last year, uh, give a shout out to one of our sponsors. So this episode is brought to you by Juice Performer. No longer do they just make a beet drink. They now have a full line of drinks. So, Brenna and Lucas, let's hear some thoughts on Juice Performer. I know Lucas is a big fan. Oh, yeah, totally. I recommend now especially um, that they are no longer just beets. They have a couple different flavors. I have tried the um, passion fruit flavor. And then I know, Lucas, you're a fan. You've been lucky enough to try. They have another flavor already, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. So on the beat performer side, you know, that's kind of your pre-workout drink. Um, they've got two flavors of that, and they just came out with a post-workout uh, anti-inflammation and uh, muscle uh, for cherry performer. So they got the beat performer for your pre-workout and cherry performer for your post. And I'm telling you, man, this cherry performer stuff was amazing, and it also helps you sleep better at night. So it's like two wins. It's huge. Ooh, I want some. And it tastes good. I mean, a lot of people hear the beats and they, uh, you know, kind of frown upon it. I absolutely love it, actually. But uh, you can't go wrong with the cherry, man. Right on. So Lucas has had some pretty awesome stuff going on this year, uh, including several TV shows. But before we get into that, I just want to talk about some of your obstacle course racing history and athletic background before we jump into all the other stuff. So I guess let's just start it off with, you know, when was your first OCR, and what was your athletic background leading up to that event? You know, it's funny. I love this question because my answer is no different than anybody else's. It was the the infamous Warrior Dash, uh, and it was in 2011. So I've been doing this for a while, but it was the, the same story everybody else has. A group of myself and buddies uh, went out and heard about this thing called the Warrior Dash, went and ran it, and um, we started together, but uh, I'm just such a competitor. I wanted to see how I'd do, so I ended up taking second my age group and, like, 30th overall. And I was like, man, you know, for not even training or trying, I actually uh, did pretty good and kind of got hooked after that. And there was an event called Ruckus that was kind of in the, the Kansas City area. Ran a couple of those, did really good. Um, heard about this event called CTG that came to the area, ran it, did pretty good. And so it was about 2000. What is that? I know, right? <laughs> Crazy. So I think it was about in the 2014 time frame where I kind of started to get serious. So I have a, a very competitive background. 
I played baseball at uh, Cali County Community College in Arc City and won a national junior college championship with them. And then I went and played two years at uh, Kansas State University. Uh, go Wildcats. So uh, uh, just been competitive my whole life, played multiple sports. And after uh, college, you know, kind of got out of the scene for a little bit and was kind of itching to come back. And I'd always enjoyed running. And when I heard about the obstacles thrown into it, it was just a just a crazy natural fit for my six foot two, two hundred and five pound frame. Yeah, you're definitely one of the bigger guys on the course. Uh, how do you feel that? You know, do you feel like you have to change anything specifically for grip strength to help you cross some of these obstacles as a bigger guy? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, you know, everybody's always like, "Man, well, you have to carry two hundred and five pounds, so it's a little bit harder for you." And you know, I, I, don't, I don't like excuses. It's like, listen, I'm a bigger guy. I should be stronger, right? I mean, the littler guys, they're charged with carrying body, their body weight. I'm a bigger guy. I should be charged with carrying my body weight. So I got to step up my game in order to carry myself or do what I got to do to lose the weight. But uh, I, I enjoy where I'm at. But, you know, the biggest issue that I find, and, you know, there's there's some other guys that kind of have these same struggles, is just, uh, you know, if my feet drag, right? So most of the time I'm doing my grip work. I'm having to hold my legs up off the ground, which kind of requires a little bit more core than other people that might be able to freely swing or drag their legs kind of through stuff. And I'm having to stay more compact and tight. So um, I've never been, you know, disqualified or I had to repeat an obstacle because of it. But it's definitely less convenient to have to hold my legs up high off the ground when I'm going through things. Yeah, I, I See, def- I'm right there with you. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I'm right there with you on the height thing, like as a girl, because I'm 5'9 and some change and like 160 pounds. But I always laugh when people are like, oh, grip must be harder because you have more to carry and lift. But, I mean, on the flip side, like you said, we have, I mean, we have bigger muscles to go with our bigger size. So it's like we just have to work equally as hard at things. And then, I mean, we have the whole legs dragging, but... I mean, we have the one up on an eight-foot wall versus the five-foot tall person. So oh, I know how that height, it's, it's like a, a good thing and some say it's a bad thing, but I've never really hated or been not happy with the height. So I definitely don't have that problem on obstacles. I can I can go full <laughs> full arm extension, full leg extension, and still be fine. Um, I, do think, yeah. I do think having a slightly taller is going to – has its advantages more often than not than being shorter. I mean, the shorter helps you on things like, you know, crawling through tubes and stuff like that. Yeah. But <laughs> which we talked about last episode or whenever this airs. Lucas, um, have you done? Have you done Savage, Lucas? I did. I did Savage two years ago, actually, Brenna in Chicago. I think that was the first time we actually met. Oh man. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. So yeah. And, that, and, and that's the only one that, that I've done. But, yeah. <laughs> It was pretty hard. But but I know for, like, height, I mean, like you said, eight-foot walls, it helps. Having a longer wingspan, you know, when going across rigs, that helps. That's an extra, you know, it's an extra inch or two. You don't have to reach out as far. And when you're, you know, if, you, if you've done some training in the gym, you realize when your arms are at full extension, you start losing power versus when they're, you know, real close to your body, you can get, generate a lot more power that way. So, um, but I'm not complaining. I like being short. I like... Uh, <laughs> I like not carrying around as much weight, so no, no complaints here. <laughs> so, should we? Sh- um, let's get into your TV shows. So, you were recently on two, or some of them haven't actually aired yet, but you were recently on two TV shows that are big in the OCR world. 
So uh, let's just start with that. Tell us tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So uh, American Ninja Warrior, I competed in in the Kansas City episode uh, back in April, and then it aired a couple months after that. So, you know, that was just an amazing experience. And, you know, we talk within our industry all the time, and when people see what you do, American Ninja Warrior is the first thing that pops in their head. So whenever, you know, I say, hey, I've done obstacle course racing, I'm like, think about it, American Ninja Warrior over like five miles. You know, that's kind of the explanation. So everybody's always like, why don't you do American Ninja Warrior? Why don't you do American Ninja Warrior? And two years ago, they were in Kansas City. I just didn't think I was ready for it. Um, I knew my game was decent, but I didn't think I was ready. So last year, they went to Oklahoma City, and I was like, nah, I'm not going to do it. But this year, in 2017, they were scheduled to be in Kansas City. And I was like, you know, it's, it's just set up perfectly. Um, I've been training competitively, you know, for a year and a half, uh, being a part of the Concord Island Pro Team. And I just thought, like, I was ready and uh, had some good training opportunities here at a couple of gyms in town. We've got uh, Apex, and then we've got Chaos Course, which are both, you know, ninja gyms here in Kansas City, which is where I'm out of. And I just thought it was the right time and hoping with my personality that I'd be able to get a spot on the show. And uh, that's what I keep telling people is it's a reality TV show. So are there a 1,000 people out there, 10,000 people that are probably more skilled um, then the majority of us that are trying out, absolutely. But, uh, you know, they want the personality. They want the, the skill set to go along with it. So I sent in a good video, and, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to be one of the 600 people throughout the country that they selected. So I was super stoked to get a compete. But <laughs> uh, come race day, it was uh, – unfortunately, the ending was, was worse than I'd hoped. Uh, I made it through the third obstacle. I did not get a TV appearance, which was fine. The, the whole reason I wanted to go do it was to to try to compete against the best and see how I could do. And I made it to the broken pipes. Uh, so it was a rolling log. And then you had a two foot over, two foot up to one of their dancing stones, then two foot over, and then two foot down to another rolling log. And I think the rolling logs are like 10, 12 foot, something like that. I made it through the first one perfect, hit that dancing stone in the middle, and I kind of hit it off to the right. And so when I hit it off to the right, it kind of took my momentum with me. So when I went to the second log, I was kind of moving in the wrong direction and ended up falling off and getting in the water. But uh, just the whole experience, man, I wish people could uh, could go through from the TV cameras to the interviews, just to the, what I keep telling people is it was just larger than me, just being out there, just Amazing wife, 15 years, and I've got kids. I got an 11 year old dog, a 7 year old boy. And for them to be on the sidelines while I competed, and the cameras to be in their faces, and to see them cheer and yell and get excited, uh, it's just an experience you'll never have. Cool. So, the, I know we've, we've interviewed Noah Kaufman on this podcast before talking about American Ninja Warrior and some of the, you know, how it's, it's a reality show. It's, you know, they're, they're working on turning it into more of a sport. But, you know, the show will always be a reality show. So one of the things we talked about is, you know, having a hook. So in order to get on the show, like you said, you need, you need that personality. You need something a little bit extra. So, you know, for our, our listeners that maybe want to apply for the show in the future, you know, what was your hook or why, why do you think you were selected above other people? You know, that's, that's a great question. And I've actually been asked that a couple times since then. Um, and I think what for me was it was just my personality and my energy. So I was just extremely over the top. Um, and, and I'm that way every day. So 
throughout life, throughout anything I do, I'm very, very, very over the top. I'm very energetic. You can probably tell on this podcast I'm loud. I mean, I'm just a loud person. Um, and it was funny because when they selected my video and called me, <laughs> they were like, has anybody ever told you that you kind of have a, a cocky attitude? And it kind of threw me <laughs> off. And I was like, you know, I uh, – I, I always try to thread that line between cockiness and confidence, but I never want to come off as a cocky guy. I, I, I'm not that. Um, I'm very humble. Um, I'm just energetic. I love to inspire. But that's really what it was. My my hook was just my energy and my personality. And I think a little bit of my size, too, you know, being a much bigger guy than they normally have. Gotcha. Well, I definitely think people, like, if you see your personality one time, it may be like, okay, wow, that dude is crazy, the mohawk, like kind of extreme. But once you see you like several times in person and after meeting you on the, our team, I was like, oh, man, that's just him all the time. Like it's not a show or a fake or anything. That's just Lucas. <laughs> and we love it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. My wife uh, my wife's not a, hasn't been a morning person in the past, so we've really struggled because I'm up at, you know, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., just rolling you know no coffee no nothing just rolling and she's you know not as much but it's funny because in the past uh couple years because of family changes um just with work and kids going to school she's become a morning person so it's been pretty fun to have her getting up early with me working out things like that but yeah i mean i'm definitely over the top but uh i mean it's it's nothing but for love of the game and the love of people and just enjoying what i do so uh, I do know that, you know, it's kind of the scariness of coming in. And people are like, you know, you show up in full-length tights, no shirt on, and a mohawk. You know, what are people supposed to think? But uh, I promise you, man, I'm I'm gentle on the inside. <laughs> yeah, I can attest to that. Very, very chill guy. Um, but I know in the past you've gone on the mic for Conquer the Gauntlet and – you know, done some emceeing for them as far as sending waves off or welcoming people to the finish. How did that start? And are we, do we expect to see more of Mohawk uh, welcoming people into the finish this year? You know, that's a great that's a great question. So last year, just tell a quick story. We were in Kansas City racing CTG, um, and uh, Brent, I don't remember if you were there. Uh, no, I missed that one, sadly. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Evan, I know Evan was there for that, and it was a really wet and muddy course. It just poured down raid the night before. Um, I think at the end of the day, there were only six belt finishers, um, but I got to Pegatron in, in somewhere in the top five, and I just couldn't complete it, couldn't complete it, couldn't complete it. My family was there. It was like an hour and a half later, and I just, you know, I hate to say it, but I eventually just gave up. I was with my family, and I just said, listen, we need to go be a family. Um, and so I was pretty down about it, got done for the day. And then Dave, Dave main prize, you know, one of the owners of CTG just knew that I was down and he knew that I, you know, loved uh, being vocal. And he handed me the microphone. He's like, here. And I was like, what do you want me to do with this? And he's like, just go talk, just go cheer people up. And man, it just turned me around 180 degrees. And I just went from kind of that sulkiness to just being energetic again and lively and going and rooting people on. And then it just kind of became a thing. And, at all the events last year, as soon as we got done racing, first thing I go do would be to go grab that mic and I jump on top of torpedo, jump on top of the rig. It didn't matter, and hopefully I was providing some inspiration for some racers because I know I was having a ton of fun. Um, this year, this year I've only done it at a couple of races. I've been to, to three of the CTG events, uh, but with our pro team tent and uh, 
my KCOCR group, which we'll talk about, I'm, I'm sure, here in a little bit. We've had a tent at the races and just been doing a lot more talking with the racers, uh, so I haven't been able to do the mic as much, but uh, I definitely don't uh, mind having that in my hand and being able to cheer on uh, everybody that's out there. Well, I, d- I definitely love you on the mic. I have some good memories of, one, you you gave the starting instructions for CTG XDC, which was a very good race for me, so I'll always remember that. <laughs> and two, you were, you were on top of Torpedo during OCR America that final day, day seven. So when I was doing my multi-laps and, you know, slogging through those final miles, I remember you um, talking on the mic. So thank you yeah. personally from, from, from me. Absolutely, man. So you mentioned um, KCOCR, and we like regional groups and things like that. So tell everybody a little bit about that group and what that is exactly. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, KCOCR, it's uh, self-explanatory, Kansas City Obstacle Course Racers, right, Obstacle Course Racing. Um, got started last year around the January, February time frame. Uh, a lot of groups around the country, uh, you know, you have your Lone Star group, and then uh, a very another very popular group here in the Midwest was Mid-America OCR, and it was kind of based out of the Wichita area, and what I wanted to do was hopefully start an obstacle course group in the Kansas City area that could train together, right? So you'd see stuff pop up in the Wichita group of, hey, we're headed uh, so-and-so to work out tonight, and I'm like, well, I'm in Kansas City, that doesn't do me any good. So it was good to kind of talk advice, like what shoes do you wear, who's all going to what races, things like that. But I really wanted to take it a step further and be able to train with people. So January, February timeframe of 2016, I kind of developed this Facebook group. And uh, with the help of a ton of people, got it started and off the ground. And I didn't check this morning, but last time I heard, we were up to 497, uh, which is pretty darn amazing. Now, a lot of our group is, the majority of our group's from Kansas City. We do have outliers. We do have some of the Mid-America OCR people from the Wichita area. We've got people from Iowa, Nebraska, um, you know, all around the area. But our core group of what we're hoping for is just Kansas City. So we've got, uh, you know, several people within our group. I'd love to start mentioning names, but I don't want to forget one and make them feel bad. Uh, so I'm not going to. But uh, they know who they are. They've really stepped up, and we've started training uh, you know, we try to we try to do once one weekend a month, and recently we're starting to train every weekend. We're trying to do one on the Kansas side, one on the Missouri side. For people that don't know, Kansas City is half Kansas, half Missouri, so it's really spread out. So we're doing one on the Kansas side one week, one on the Missouri side the other week. We'll go to a gym, we'll go to a park. Um, this weekend is actually special. I, this, this probably isn't going to air, so this will be over by the time it airs. But we actually have members of the NEOCR, which is the Nebraska. Uh, OCR racing group coming to Kansas City and we're doing a combined workout NEOCR KCOCR so it's just been really phenomenal and I, I guess to say all my dreams are coming true with it because we've got a lot of people that are like man I didn't know anybody else in Kansas City did obstacle racing I didn't know there was a group like this and when I find those people I mean it just makes me grin ear to ear because that that's why I started it that's why our group is developing it um you know, we're actually having a night out at the sporting game, which is our local soccer team. So we're getting it. We're really starting to get together, and it's just growing leaps and bounds. And I just couldn't be happier. Yeah, I've already gotten in. Uh, I've been here like physically living in my house for about two weeks, and I've already gotten in two two workouts with you guys in the last week. So 
it's nice to have a group to train with, uh, even if people are on different ability levels. You know, having some someone to meet up, some place to meet up, and you know, just talk OCR. I like I like being around people where I don't have to like start off with like I do obstacle course racing. Oh well, <laughs> here's what it is. Here, you know, like have you seen Spartan? Have you seen Tough Motor? Have you seen Ninja War? It, and then go from there. So it's nice to be able to show up someplace and it's like. Blah, 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 world's toughest mother, and I don't have to explain myself beyond that. You know, everyone knows what I'm talking about. So. Yeah, you know, we've gotten pretty lucky, and i got to give a quick shout-out to my trainer, trainer Jared Rinier, um, J. Rin Fitness. I know, Evan, you have a pass with him as well. Um, but he's a local Kansas City guy, and uh, he's been really phenomenal for a lot of our group, vis- group workouts because he actually uh, doesn't work out. He actually programs them, and he'll programs them from the, the beginner – to the elite, and so he can change it up. And, and Evan, to your point, that's exactly right. We have all the stages, which is awesome, and uh, our workouts are really very flexible to whatever, um, you know, whatever stage of your life you're at. So uh, it's been pretty amazing. So if people want to meet up with KCOCR, where what's the easiest way to find you guys? Absolutely, man. So we're we're only in two places. We uh, Facebook groups. So we're just KCOCR. Um, we're a closed but not private group, so you just got to go in there and search for us and uh, friend request us, and then we'll add you to the group. And then we're on Instagram at KCOCR underscore crew. I think there's an underscore. So KCOCR crew, we're on Instagram. So go follow us on there. We'll be showing workouts. Um, but basically, like I said, we talk we talk training tips, advice, and mainly group workouts. So if somebody wants to work out, they'll just post and say, hey, I'm going to be at this park at 6 o'clock on Thursday night. If you want to come join me, join me. And I love that about our group. So thanks for letting me get that uh, shout-out in there. That's what I was going to say. I'm so jealous, but then it's exciting because I, I need to stop traveling the country literally as we speak um, because <laughs> I miss out on all the groups that everywhere I've lived, there's an awesome group, and I just am never around for the training. But then it's really cool because the community is so welcoming, and I'm a part of every state or city that I've lived in group so when I travel I can go and join you know KCOCR or in Wichita Mid-America or go to Ohio and the Crazy Mudder Muckers so it's really exciting to see the group still growing and the new group just about everywhere coming up bringing this to the community and making everybody come together so that's pretty cool so thank you for doing that for the Kansas City area so yeah, since, it's been a blast. since you started a group from ground zero if Let's say there's another dedicated OCR athlete someplace else in the country that's maybe not a big city and doesn't have a group already there um, to train with. Any, like, kind of lessons learned or, you know, things that were harder than expected or easier than expected as far as standing up a group from the beginning? Yeah, great question. You know, I, I, I... I thought it'd be easier to, to find people and to, to get people involved in the group. And, and we definitely have our struggles, but you know, it's funny. I'd get on Facebook and um, you know, if there were events like say, you know, when, when CTG was coming to Kansas city, I would blast out on their, you know, Facebook message. Hey, if you're interested in obstacle course training in Kansas city, come join our group on Facebook. Or when rugged maniac makes their post about coming to Kansas city, I'll go blast out uh, some messaging on there. Um, you know, I'll talk. I would talk to people at a lot of races. I'd talk to people at gyms, kind of things like that. Uh, but definitely, it's it's getting your core group, and we've got a, just an amazing core group that are as um, fun loving and energetic about OCR as I am, and just all of us together, just kind of go out there and just 
just talk. And it's funny because I, I don't want it to sound like a cult, right? Like, come join our group. And it's like, man, what are you guys trying to sell? I mean, we're selling nothing, right? You know, it's not a cult. It's just people that love to race and train together, and we want to provide that opportunity for others. So it's just getting out and talking to people. And uh, just it just takes time, takes patience to, uh, you know, to kind of reach the masses. So I would say just hit up everybody you can on Facebook groups, Instagram groups, and then just be patient with it. Gotcha. So before we uh, started recording this episode, we put out a post in KCOCR, and we asked for some listener questions. So we had a couple people respond. Brenna, you want to take you want to take the uh, lead on this one? <laughs> oh yes, yes. So this one of my personal favorite friends um, from the Kansas area, Mr. Steve Richardson, had a few awesome questions for you, Lucas. So these are comical but very important. So um, first question. He wants to know your yearly expense on hair gel for that mohawk. <laughs> well, uh, just a quick background on it. So I, I don't know if uh, – for people out there that don't know me, my mohawk's kind of my signature. So uh, before every race, I get a fresh haircut, and my mohawk is just rocking as high and as heavy as I can get it. And, uh, you know, actually I had one – I had a like the real t- kind of the two-inch, your whole head, head is shaved for like – except like a two-inch strip. Um, when I was playing college baseball, just trying to be super tough. And then once I got in the business world, I really couldn't do it. So I'm really trying to, to thread that line of being professional and then still having the fun loving on the side. Um, but my hair gel is very important to me. Uh, I have multiple bottles of multiple products. But I think the one thing that people don't realize is the amount of hairspray that goes in it when it's done. Uh, that's, that's the true sticking power. And I can promise you my wife and, uh, many other females out there, I'll spend as much time, if not more in that, uh, in that bathroom getting my hair ready than, uh, than they do. But, uh, it's important to me and you know what? I don't care cause I love it. It looks good. <laughs> so, so for a ballpark figure, what's one of your products? Are you on like the high end, like Paul Mitchell gel or are you like the L'Oreal? Oh, Walmart. No. <laughs> no, exactly. I'm a $2, $3 bottle, and that's the thing, man. When you're buying in bulk, you got to – there's like a Gorilla Glue, and then there's like um, – how what's the other one? I just had it in my head. But they're just cheap, like $3, $4, and it's, it's funny because I go to my barber, and he's like, man, you're just killing your hair. Like, that is the worst stuff for you. <laughs> and I, I'm just laughing. I was like, well, when you see me, you know, go in the water of an obstacle course race – fully submerge myself, come back up and my hair hasn't moved, you know, then it, then it works well. So I'm good with well, it. Well, so on that note and piggybacking off of Richardson's question, um, have you ever carried hair gel in your pants on a course? <laughs> uh, I, I would have to say that's, that's a true statement. Um, <laughs> and, and I got, I got to blame one of the other CTG owners, Stephen Mainprize on that. He actually came up to me before a race once um, and why am I striking out? What's uh, what's the CTG obstacle where you have to go through the tube under the water and come out the other side? Up from uh, the grave. Up from the grave. Right. So whenever there's an up from the grave at the race, I would always get so mad because I was just like, man, it's going to ruin my hair. Uh, you know, is my hair going to hold? And so Steve came up to me one day with a travel size bottle, and he's like, here you go, man. He goes, up from the grave is here today. Take this with you. When you get out of it, do your hair. And I was like, man, that's, that is genius. I mean, you see me come out of any obstacle, the first thing I'm doing is redoing my hair. So um, that's, that's, that's true. Uh, well, so then that kind of answers Richardson, Steve Richardson's next question was, is your mohawk real? <laughs> <laughs> I 
absolutely. All right. Well, that's good. Glad to hear it's a real mohawk. And then <laughs> Steve Richardson also wants to know, those abs of yours, are they real or painted on? <laughs> I, I don't even know if I want to answer that question. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I work hard, and I'm dedicated to, to healthy living. So uh, whatever comes of it, comes of it. And uh, sometimes we're naturally blessed from the man above is all I can say. There you go. All right. So we got one more final question from Mr. Steve Richardson. He says that, uh, I guess that's yeah, it was funny. Uh, he heard that your trainer was an extra in Lord of the Rings. Is that true? <laughs> oh, Jay Ren's going to get so mad when he listens to this. Yeah, you know, my my trainer, once again, Jaren Renner, Jay Ren Fitness, uh, absolutely love the guy to death. We've become really, really good friends. Uh, but he could double as a. Uh, as a movie goer in that in that show, so um, there's, there's, <laughs> that's a true statement. Don't lie about that. But I love you, Jay Ran. Awesome. Well, Evan, who we got another question from another listener. If you want to go for it. Yeah, the uh, this one's from Brett Stewart, the owner of Mud Run Guide, and his was more of a statement, but that we're going to ask for an explanation. He just said, "Remember that day on OCR Warrior." So I guess let's hear the story uh, that surrounds that. Oh man, so. I'm going to butcher the year. Uh, Atlas Race, if you guys remember Atlas Race, and then OCR Warrior. 2015. Was 2015 in Kansas City? Yep. Yeah, so Atlas Race comes to Kansas City 2015 with OCR Warrior. And I'm like, uh, you know, we run our race, and I think I ended up with seventh place that day. I was thrilled about. Um, and then we go to do the OCR Warrior, you know, which is a little miniature course. And I'm like, man, this is meant for me, right? Short course, not a lot of running, just obstacles. I am ready to roll. And um, we get in this obstacle. It's, you know, it's for time. And then they hit the rig and the rig like structure. And I'd never done something like that before besides like a monkey bars or a set of rings. And I get up there and just go flying through and I get to the last one and I drop and I'm like, Oh man, no way. And I was like, well, there just goes and kills my time. I'm going to try it again. I get up there again. And by that time my forearms were already fried and I couldn't do it. So I ended up just, um, you know, just not being able to complete the obstacle and being done. And so, uh, you know, I'm just begging Brett, and I'm like, man, can I run it again? Can I run it again? He's like, yeah, big man, you can run it again. So I run it again, couldn't get past the rig. Run it again, couldn't get past the rig. And finally he lets me do it again, and I get past it, and it's like, I don't know. I think the, the winning time's like a three-minute, and I was like ten minutes or something like that. And it was just <laughs> – it was a bad day, man. I, I would never forget it. But ever – I mean, that was, that was the, the turning point for me on rig training. Uh, just knowing that I had to uh, to do something better. So I, I will never forget him nor that event, and uh, he was a, extremely nice to me, and it was very, very, very humbling. Now, I, I definitely hear you. So I was at that event, too, and the the rig contraption was like a Skull Valley version. So yes. it, the there was like some – there was like a rope climb and into like some, uh, like some of the Skull Valley holds, like there's the, the ones on the board, and then there was like four or five actual like rig holds – and one of them was like a hanging skull. So it was fairly thick, right, and hard to grab. And I made it across um, and made it into the like the, the part they make a YouTube show out of. But in the when I went, went head-to-head against Evan Dollard, I fell off of that one on the way back. So um, same, similar situation, I made it a little bit farther. But after that, I went and bought one and started screwing them into my ceiling. And I definitely took my training up a level because I was like, never again, right? Like, you, you need those, you need those losses and those, you know, those failures to make you better. Because otherwise, 
you're never really, you know, reaching your limit. So funny story real quick. Uh, that's, you know, I'm the exact same way, Evan. And, Brent, I'm sure you're very similar. If I fail an obstacle, like, I literally build it in my garage. So for those that don't know, my whole garage is just obstacles. I've got a stairway to heaven. I've got a Pegatron. I've got a full rig. I've got a rope. Um, you know, I've got I've got it all. Uh, and on American Ninja Warrior, kind of I had told him my story. And this is how great that the, the producers and everybody was. I told him my story about whenever I fail something, I build it in my garage. And after I fell in the water, I go to do my post-race interview. I, I can't remember the lady host's name, but she asked me. She's like, so are we going to be seeing one of these in your garage soon? And it threw me for a loop, and I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I remembered having that conversation, and I was like, oh, yeah, my wife's going to love me putting one of these uh, putting one of these in our garage. But, uh, yeah, man, if you, if you fail, you, you never want to be there again, that's for sure. Yeah, I've got teeter tube going in my backyard real soon. <laughs> <laughs> come on, kids, come over and play. <laughs> Seriously, it's sad, but it's funny how so many of us now literally, like, pretty sure Randy Lackey, our other teammate, she's got the entire CTG course in her backyard. She oh, yeah, hers got is ridiculous. To, yeah, she had, like, everything, and then she got slackline, has issues, and now she's got a slackline in her backyard, of course. So it's it's funny, but it's just the nature of our sport and our the way we learn and get past things. We practice on it because, I mean, a lot of places don't have what you experience in a race. I mean, you can go to a gym, but, like, you still need the actual pegboard to get through Pegatron or whatever it may be, and now I'm going to have a giant crazy 24 foot long tube in my backyard and I'm gonna get wet and try to crawl through it and it's just gonna be weird but gotta do it <laughs> yeah there's so much technique involved the only way to do it is by actually training specifically yeah specificity oh. is is key or king for obstacle course racing I mean you can you know I came from a lifting background when I came into obstacle course racing so I had the muscle to do a lot of the obstacles but the technique and the specific movements I did not have. So, you know, I, I would go to races and have trouble at something. And, again, same thing. Build it or find some way to mimic it as close as possible at the gym and go from there. Yeah, it's funny with, like, the rope climb. Uh, you know, the rope climb is tough. And it's 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 easy with technique, but it's tough without it. And I went and built one in my garage. And, honestly, <laughs> ever since I learned it, I really don't even use it that much anymore because I've got the technique so down. Um but absolutely, there's so much technique involved in a lot of these obstacles. So since we talked oh. about Ninja Warrior already, uh, I guess, Brent, I want you to take this one since this one's a little closer to home for you. Yeah, this one was exciting to me. So you were on another awesome kind of obstacle course style TV show, and I will throw out the name Broken Soul Challenge. Can <laughs> you tell us a little bit about that? I know we're... We're kind of recording this and going to release it a little later so you can talk about it. But I know we don't want all the details because we're all going to watch. But come on, fill us in a little bit. What, how'd that go? How'd that start? Man, so this is, a, this is a great story, and this is amazing. And there's only a handful of people that actually know that I was able to compete on the show. It, it happened so fast, and it was so hush-hush. Um, it was pretty crazy. So definitely excited to be able to start talking about it. But uh you know, I can share a lot of my stories, but I can't share, you know, the actual competition, what the obstacles were, how they, they turned out. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's not really about being on TV as much as just trying new things and seeing how well you compete against others and putting yourself in situations that make you a better person. And, um, you know, I just broken skull was just seemed to be way more up my alley 
fan American Ninja Warrior. Um, I love American Ninja Warrior, and I am 100% trying out for it next year. Uh, but Broken Skull, where you just get to throw things around, carry heavyweights, um, you know, have your shirt off and just kind of growl and just let everything out, you know, was just was just badass. Let's just put it like that. So um, I, I was able to uh, send in a submission for the show. They called me back. We did a couple interviews. And they're like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll tell you, you know, within a week if you're on. And then they called me and they said, hey, you're in. And you're headed to L.A. in like five days. And, I mean, it was just bam like that. It was so quick. And they're like, you can't tell anybody. And as soon as you get here, you can't talk to any of the competitors. And I'm like, that, what are you talking about? That was about? terrible. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, well, you can't talk to anybody. Like, silence the whole time. So the first day we show up, and we uh, everybody has to do medical evaluations to get cleared. So me and eight other dudes are, you know, sitting in a, a small medical office where we had to bring in extra chairs for, I think it was like six hours while everybody got evaluated not being able to talk to each other. And obviously all you're doing is just sitting there sizing each other up the whole time. So it was kind of funny. Exactly. You're like getting in your head already because you're just looking at the muscles sitting across the room from you, staring back at you and just like, I mean, because I, some might know, but I did the show um, season three. So it was just, uh, that's bizarre. The whole like not talking to your competitors because an OCR, I mean, up until the start line and we're shaking hands, hugging and everything, having fun in the start crowd, talking to one another. And then you say go. And I still talk to people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And this was the kind of funny thing. Of course. Um, so going to broken skull and they say, you can't talk. About okay. Well, this is weird. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, the funny thing for me about that was when I started looking at these guys, they were all huge. And I just started looking around, and I'm, like, looking at the producers. I'm like, guys, you got me in the wrong the wrong one, right? I was like, this this isn't mine. Um, I just don't see myself, like, in obstacle course racing, am I a bigger competitor? Yes. But I don't consider myself a big guy. And the producers are like, yeah, you know, we're so excited for this group. And for people that don't know, it's it's, it's eight contestants, and it's three rounds to get to their final round, which is the Skull Buster, which is the actual obstacle course, which is, you know, why it's near and dear to so many OCR athletes. But um, in the first round, it's usually some sort of head-to-head battle. And then from the eight, it goes down to four. And then it's sort of some type of competition. And then it goes down to two, where, once again, it's a head-to-head battle to see who wins and gets to do the Skull Buster. But um, they were like, we're so excited for this. You're our last group of guys. This is the heavyweight division. And I'm just like, once again, guys, you've got me in the wrong one. I'm not a heavyweight. Now, six foot two, 205 pounds, maybe, you know, to some, that's a heavyweight. But there was a couple 225, 230 guys in that group. And I'm just, I'm like, what did I get myself into? 38 years old. I was laughing because my parents were, were, weren't were very excited about me doing this after watching some of the episodes. They've always been uh, uh, very um, you know, careful about me, not wanting me to get hurt. I so, was saying, I mean, it's not like it's OCR is non-touch basically to other competitors. So, I mean, Broken Skull, you basically are wrestling. Basically, I mean, Steve Austin, so they add the wrestling factor into it. So, I mean, absolutely, it is hand-to-hand combat. I mean, you're sitting there and it's just mono we mono of who's going to be tougher, grittier, and what's it going to take to win. So, um, I was pretty, you know, I'm not going to lie, I was pretty scared going in there with some of these younger guys and. Um, you know, I didn't find out everybody age, ages, but there was another 39-year-old guy there, which made me happy. But I think there was a 23-year-old guy um, as well, an 18-year-old – or not 18, 21-year-old kid. So, you know, very, very wide variety of ranges. But, um, you know, it was – it 
I would I would say it would probably top my American Ninja Warrior experience just because there was only eight of us and the whole crew and the casting was so focused on us and they really made you feel special and everything was top notch and then getting to meet Steve Austin, shake his hand, BS with him, talk behind the scenes, um, you know, just get to know him as a guy it was pretty pretty darn cool. Um, once again, you still couldn't talk to the competitors on the set. We didn't get a chat until at the end of the day um, when everything was over, but. Um, I'm very, very, very excited for it to come out. I think uh, our group put on an amazing show, uh, and I think that uh, Broken Skull should be very excited about it, and I'm really excited for everybody to see it. But so much more up my alley. Just love getting in the dirt and getting tough and going out there and competing. So I was just truly blessed to have that opportunity and uh, very excited for it to, uh, to come out on TV. Well, that's I'm what's really funny. Excited. Yeah. Go, Brian. Oh, go ahead, <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I'm really excited to see it because, you know, like with the Ninja Warrior, they film so many people, and they there's not there's no guarantee you're gonna be on the show. So, you know, when it's that small of a crowd, it's essentially guaranteed unless they cut the episode completely that you'll be on the show. You know, with your name and uh, your face up there. So I'm excited to see it, and I will also actually watch it because I've managed to miss both Ashley and Brenna on Broken Skull, what? despite me, despite me DVRing. <laughs> like an obscene amount of episodes and then watching the first 10 minutes and being like, no, no, no. So I think I'm going to catch this one. Oh, you, still ha- you still haven't watched my episode? You said it wasn't online. You said it wasn't oh online. Oh, my gosh. You should have told me that in Lebanon because I ha- – oh, man, we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> no, we had this conversation in Lebanon. We had this conversation in Lebanon. Oh, that's that. Oh, I'm so mad. All right. Well, next next race, I'm I'm bringing it. We're gonna watch it. <laughs> I love it. But um, Lucas, you'll learn once you actually get to like tell people that you're on the show. It's so funny because I don't get questions really about the episode or about the competition. The biggest question I get is, "So, what do you think of Steve Austin?" And. <laughs> <laughs> and my problem was they kept, like, I grew up and loved Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock from wrestling were my favorite. So every time they'd interview me and say something, I'd be like, yeah, Stone Cold. And they're like, no, Steve Austin. I was like, oh, my gosh. Seriously, so I have to retake whatever they were prompting me to say because I kept calling him Stone Cold Steve Austin instead of just Steve Austin. And I like to remember, like, he was so humble, so cool. And like you said, getting to talk to him. But his calves, like, we had to walk behind him to do, like, the little, like, entrance walk-up thing. I don't know if they still do it that way or not, but I just remember walking behind him and thinking, like, this guy's calf muscle is, like, the size of my quad. It was ridiculous. <laughs> you, you know what's funny? You know what surprised me, Brenna, was his hands. Like, they yes. were, like, like just so thick. I mean, it, he, he's a he's a beast. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And he is in amazing shape. Uh, it was pretty phenomenal. Well, and, and the other the other thing that got me about the show, and you can kind of see it, but uh, not really. But you know, it's a day's worth of taping. You know, for you know a thirty second event or something of that nature. You're doing a, a pre race interview, a post race interview. You know, for everybody. Plus, you got your downtimes, your, your set changes, and there was just a ton, a ton of waiting. Um, so it was very nerve wracking. Uh, you had to be fueled correctly. And hydrated. I mean, it's. It, I think our we were 102 degrees is what uh, we were out there um, competing in, and so uh, there's a lot that goes into it. Just being able to stay mentally focused, you know, for your 10 seconds, 30 seconds, 60 seconds of competition. It was. Uh, it was pretty intense. 
so exciting. So do you know, like, from you said you compare Broken Skull, maybe they're both awesome experiences, but um, you liked it better just because it was your wheelhouse. But would you consider are you wanting to, like, apply for American Enjoyer again next yeah. season? Or? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I just love to see how I can compete. Um, I think I'm going to try to get in some of the other Ninja Warrior competitions around the country as well just to kind of up my game. They have a couple, like I said, at our gyms here in Kansas City. If I can make them, I'm going to try to. But I'll definitely try again for American Ninja Warrior. But, you know, it's different when there's 100 of you out there, you know, compared to eight, right? So the attention wasn't wasn't as much, and there was so much going on. But I definitely loved American Ninja Warrior, but Broken Skull was more up my alley. Uh, but absolutely, I'll, I'll try out for American Ninja Warrior again. That's exciting. So, again, I know that the filming or the airing of this episode will be different, but what do you have back for, like, OCR? What's the rest of your season looking like? Are you doing championships, and what other races do you have lined up? Great question. So, real quick, to finish off on Broken Skull, they did tell me that I was going to be episode 9, which I think is going to air November 21st, Tuesday, November 21st. So, um, we'll be the last guy episode, you know, the heavyweights coming in at the end on episode 9. So, um, as far as, you know, what's coming up for me this year, it's, it's, it's about, you know, depending on when this comes out, it's about to get hot and heavy. I'll be doing CTG Tulsa and then the team race for Conquer the Gauntlet Tulsa Saturday, Sunday, and then headed up to, um, to Texas to do the USOCR championships, which I'm super stoked about racing both of those events. Then coming back home that next weekend and racing Rugged Mania at Kansas City. So I'll be doing three races back to back and, um, my race year has, has actually been very light uh, this year because of family and because of doing Ninja Warrior and Broken Skull. Um, I think I've only been in five races this year. So these three back-to-back are going to be pretty heavy. And then after that, I'm doing the CTG XTC event, which is in Kansas City. So it's that uh, the combo event with Conquer the Gauntlet and Extreme Timber Challenge, six and a half miles, 60 obstacles, something like that, where I emceed it last year but did not compete in. Um, but I do not see myself going to Canada for OCR World this year. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I did that episode. I did it last year, and it was an amazing event. Um, I went with uh, two buddies of mine, Jared Renier, my trainer, and then uh, Tyler Barrett. And it was a six-day event. And, you know, it, as you guys know that have been there, it was pretty much the coolest thing I've ever done. But uh, six days away from the family was tough. And I, I travel for my job, so I'm normally gone two to three days a week. So, you know, the racing – is is tough on my family as well, but they've been amazing uh, in letting me pursue my dreams and passions at 38 years old. But uh, so you know that's, it's going to be kind of a light end of the year. But like I said, the the two TV shows have really kind of taken precedence, and they changed a lot of my training as well throughout the year. So that that's what I see in my future. Cool. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap it we're gonna wrap it up um, before we go. Any final shout outs? Uh, Lucas, you can go first that you want to give, uh, companies, brands, people, whatever. Yeah. Awesome. Um, uh, KCOCR, man, it's like I said, it's our Kansas City office group. We talked about it, but just the, the team that we've got, our group has just been amazingly successful and helpful in setting up the Instagram, setting up the Facebook, putting through races, um, uh, competitions, practices, things like that. I just love them to death, and they're just doing an amazing job. So really, really appreciate them. Uh, my trainer, man, Jared Renier, I uh, I started with him almost a year ago. We're about to hit our one-year anniversary, and I never thought I needed one. But 
having him program what I need to do and when, knowing more of the science behind it has been amazing. And uh, I, I can't really talk about Broken Skull, um, the events, but he kind of worked up a training plan for me, and it was almost exactly what I ended up doing on the show. So, you know, just having that knowledge is just phenomenal. So big shout-out to J-Ren Fitness. Um, and then, you know, some of our CTG sponsors. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Juice Performer, Beat Performer, and Cherry Performer. I drink it every day. Uh, Two Fit, you know, does does some amazing – has some amazing pre- and post products. I love them as well. And then, um, you know, Atomic Climbing Holds, Mug Gear, uh, you know, all of our Harbinger Fitness, all of our sponsors just appreciate everything they do for us. Awesome. Nice. Brenna, what do, you, what do you got? Well, normally I give a shout-out to a sponsor or a company or someone that's helped me out and taken care of me, but this time I'll be a little more personal, and my shout-out is personally to my actual boyfriend, an amazing guy, Tracy Jost, and things wouldn't be possible without him. Literally, as we speak, we're making like 3,000-something crazy-mile road trip across the country to pick up belongings, and we're doing this on his time off when he's not building um, it's like four days crazy, and he's there, whether he's in person or in spirit for my races, cheering me on, and I really wouldn't have made it past these last few months without him, and can't wait for more support from him, so my shout-out is to my cheesy little shout-out to my boyfriend, Tracy, so got to thank him for everything, and um, yeah, I'll leave my cheesiness at that. Evan, if I could just add on to that real quick. I mean, Brent, I think you hit it home right there. So many of us in what we do, you know, can't do it alone without our support system. And I know Evan's, you know, family is amazing for him and travels with him. And, and mine's the same way. They don't they don't get to make it out to as many races because my kids are just extremely active in sports and theater and all this other stuff. But my wife and kids are phenomenal. Um, and I know, you know, like so many other racers uh, feel the same way. And we talk about family. And that's what I love about OCR is it's, it's family first and um, inside OCR and outside OCR. So, uh, you know, just a huge shout out to everybody's family that that puts up with everybody that's in the sport and supports them. So it's uh, family is, is is amazing. Absolutely, uh, my wife. If, if if you know my schedule and my life, my wife puts up with a lot. So a hundred percent agree with that. I'm also gonna call out Brenna because I'm because she's sitting in the car with Tracy. So I feel like she's just buttering him up because <laughs> he's sitting like a foot from her, listening to the entire podcast. <laughs> So. Yeah, poor guy. It's, he's having to sit here and drive me and have no music or anything and just sit here and make faces at me. So that was that was for him. He's <laughs> got to be quiet, and we all know how hard that is for him. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to give a shout-out, and I gave it a couple episodes ago to Folds of Honor, but I'm going to give them another shout-out. So recently made connections with them again. Uh, they're the charity that I raised money for for OCR America, so they give – Scholarship money to children whose parents were wounded or killed in action uh, that are in the military. So if you're looking for a great charity to donate to, I would definitely hit up Folds of Honor. Um, like I talked about last time, the amount of money you donate, it's like 91% goes to the actual scholarship, right? So you look at all these different charities, and if you donate to one, you, you may only get like 40% of your money is actually making it to the final cause. Uh, versus them, it's 91%, and you know you know it's going to be in a good place. It's going to scholarship money. It's not going to, like, I don't know. There's a lot of other charities that, um, you know, do a lot of other things that where it's hard to quantify 
exactly what the money is doing, where it's like, hey, we go to support awareness of X, and it's it's very nebulous and uh, not specific. So big fan of Foles of Honor. Uh, glad I got to meet up with them again. And other than that, if you have not picked up a copy of my book, Strength and Speed Guides to Elite Obstacle Course Racing, please do so. It's pretty good. I recommend it because I wrote it. Um, if you live in the Kansas City I'll area, that. I'll second that. <laughs> I got a book on my desk right here. I'll third it. If you, if you live in the Kansas City area, just hit me up, and next time I come to a KCOCR thing, just let me know, and I will bring a copy for you, so you don't have to pay for shipping. And then if you do not live in the Kansas City area, uh, you can find it on the website TeamStrengthSpeed.com, and you can personalize it or give it as a gift, or you know, buy another copy for yourself. Maybe you just want to collect them. That's cool, too. So. <laughs> oh, awesome, guys. This has been so great, and I love having a full CTG team episode and talk about all the awesomeness that everybody's doing. And, Lucas, you've had a fantastic year so far and going to end the season strong. So congrats on everything, and I'm glad you wanted to come and hang out and chat with us and tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely, Brenda Evan. I thank you guys so much for, for having this podcast and for having me on. I really, really, really appreciate it. Cool. What's well, been great, Lucas? Uh, we will see you. Well, I'll see you actually tomorrow at a <laughs> workout. But um, other than that, we'll see you at some races coming up. And uh, looking forward to seeing you on TV. Awesome, man. Can't wait. Love you guys.